You are listening to Brute McVane's Wrestling Review. I'm your host, Brute McVane. Here on the show, we go through old wrestling magazines. We cover old pay-per-views, do interviews. And I'm here with my co-host, as always, the man that really makes it happen, DJ Conboy. DJ, what's up, man? I'm not certain I've made anything ever happen in my life. I am here, my friend. What's going on? Hey, you picked this magazine out. And K-Fave! So, uh, K-Fave! Yeah. <laughs> no, it's all on you. It's my fault. Well, uh, I was kind of like thinking, well, you know, we've got to get into the Vince Russo era at some point. This is not necessarily the Vince Russo era, but this is definitely the Vince Russo era of magazines. So I thought that might be worth a little spin on our little nostalgic uh, trip here. And we are doing WWF Magazine, Raw Magazine, January, February of 97. And, man, I usually the gimmick is we... Don't go through it at all, but like I had to just look at what's in here. You picked a really <laughs> good one. There's some crazy stuff in this magazine. Yeah, I, th- I thought it might work well for the format of our show. Uh, I'm excited. Now, I'm going to turn the tables a little bit because generally what's, what happens, dear listener, is that Brute will ask me what my memories are, and I'll have to kayfabe and go, well, I have no memories of this and such and such because most of my uh, knowledge of wrestling past, oh, I don't know, maybe 1996 is secondhand. You know, it's like I've gone back and watched stuff. I want to ask you, what was the first time, and I'm not certain I have an answer for this, so maybe I'll, I'll cogitate about it while I ask you. What was the first time you heard the words Vince Russo? Vince Russo, man, probably reading random um, internet message board stuff, news sites back then. There there were like these weird news sites that basically just regurgitated the torch in the um, Observer. But um, I was I was all over those sites, man. And they like I said, they basically just plagiarized those things. But I probably read his name on one of those and had no clue who he was. Yeah. So that was see, that, I, 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 I've probably got like a similar, I would imagine that was probably the case. I definitely knew before he came into WCW that he was a guy in WWF that was a writer. I don't know if I knew he was Vic Venom. I don't, I definitely seen the Vic Venom magazine ad for this particular, well, maybe not this issue, but certainly the raw magazine where he's walking around in the, in the, uh, you know, train yard. He's like, I'm going to shoot with you, brother. Uh, and you know, he's, I'm Vic Venom and, uh, and all the other magazines lie to you, but I'm going to shoot with you. And it's just like, uh, I, I don't think I'd seen that at that point. I've certainly seen it many times since then, but, uh, yeah, I probably randomly saw it on the internet somewhere. And then I knew when he came into WCW that apparently it was a big deal because they told me so. So I was like, Oh, wow. <laughs> This guy's going to turn things around. And then, you know, obviously not. Here's what's crazy about Russo is, like, he's so unlikable. Like, and I like you, but when you were doing an impression of him, like, I didn't like you. Like, it was weird. It's like, all of a sudden, it's like, God, this guy. Like, that's how bad Vince Russo is. He was on, um, and again, I wouldn't have watched this firsthand. Uh, He would have been probably to the person watching TV in 1997, he might've been on WWF live wire at this point. I'm not, I don't quite recall the chronology. The particular issue of Rob we're looking at is dated October. So it means his contents would probably have been published in probably July or August thereabouts. So I don't know if he was on live wire yet or if live wire was a thing yet, but he is on live wire for a time. And he famously, uh, 
I guess on accident, but maybe not because he's got to shoot with you. Uh, oh. Gives away the ending to the Royal Rumble that Bret Hart's supposed to win. Well, yeah, so I guess that would have been April. Or, uh, I'm sorry, that would have been January. So, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, like, oh, Bret Hart... I, yeah, Bret Hart's supposed to win the Royal Rumble. Magazine here. Was it October 97? I, with uh, no, Dude I Love on the cover? One. I've got the January, February 97. Okay, well, no, that, that's cool. I, I was thinking of a different one then, but... Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, dear listener, <laughs> we've had a snafu. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, that, that's how much planning goes into this. Yeah, that's right. So that means this would have come out in probably October of 1996 or so, so he definitely would not have been on TV yet. Um, but yeah, eventually he's going to be on Livewire, and that's probably where the first time a lot of people see him. He's, I think, billed as Vic Venom at first, and they probably introduced him as the editor of the magazine. Uh, well, famously... Famously, he will become the actual writer of WWF after a particularly poor uh, Raw, where essentially everyone's gone. They're off doing the European tour, and there's just a skeleton crew left. Uh, Vince McMahon flips out and decides that the old way ain't working anymore and gives the keys to Vince Russo here, who's struggled his way up as the uh, magazine editor. He's been the magazine editor for a couple years probably at this point, so... Yeah, and like I was saying, he has his own um, section of this magazine, of course. He's got to wedge himself. <laughs> so, yeah, of I'm course. sorry, man. I grabbed the wrong oh, one. Oh, yeah, but- no, no, no. But, I mean, it's it's going to have the same effect that I was looking for. So, I, I'm coming into this fresh. So, that's A-OK. Okay. okay. This is a good one now. So, uh, I'm going to go through some of the features, and let's pick a couple out. Uh, yeah. I think a couple are going to jump out. So, we've got <laughs> The Boss Opens Up, Vince on America Online. Oh, I mean, have to do that one. Have that to. Pretty good. We've got two words: Polish power, the life and times of Ivan Putsky. That might be a skip. <laughs> uh, the five greatest federation matches of all time. That's probably worth a look. That's pretty good. Okay, here's a, here's one I have no memory of. It says, "What was Hunter thinking about? The Babes or Mister Perfect? You make the call." So like so, I have no idea what this. Story so is. yeah, he has um, a couple of different uh, valets. Uh, basically, Mister Perfect has like some kind of chick. I believe Hunter steals the chick and becomes his valet. This is pre-China, and okay. this like, he has like a kind of a rotating cast of uh, ladies for a, a month or two, and then eventually, obviously, gets China. <laughs> wow, uh, we've got is the planet big enough for Sean and Brett? I think Sean <laughs> and Brett's been covered. You know, <laughs> answer no. Next, <laughs> <laughs> well said. All right, we have next the complete history of the World Wrestling Federation title. That seems pretty cool. Yeah, it'd be good. Uh, the night the belt changed hands, Savage Steamboat. Uh, That's interesting that they're doing like retrospectives like that because I don't really uh, associate that with the Vince Russo era of magazine. So that sounds cool. That's a really good point because. Everything uh, Russo was all about, like, trash in the past and being as edgy. <laughs> and, and they're, like, going to pay some respect there. If we looked at if we looked at a WWF magazine from two years from now, it would be completely different than what you've uh, run down so far, other than the beginning part with it's going to have the, Vin, the Vic Venom uh, opinion piece and then, you know, maybe the attitudinal Vince thing. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to look completely different than what we've laid out so far. Well, that'll be cool because we'll review the 
Which one was it you wanted to do, October? Um, yeah, I think I looked at okay. the October 97 one. So we'll do that next week, and that'll be like six months, you know, seven months later yeah. or whatever. And so we can see the change in the magazine over a short period of time there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, and then the last section is Fantasy Warfare Stardust versus Gold Dust. <laughs> now, they're talking about the original Stardust, baby, not not uh, not that guy on Wednesday nights who uh, gets beat up by uh, Malachi Black. They're not talking about him. Full disclosure, I freaking loved Stardust. Uh, my wife really liked the Stardust gimmick, too. Um, I, I was kind of ambivalent towards it. I, I didn't really like it or dislike it, but um, it was funny when he would parade around and hiss. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> then we also have like the uh, regular departments. We have one called the Informer, which I guess is a play on the Observer. Um, number six, <laughs> letters from the fans, and then uh, t- on page ten, Venom Raw by Vic oh. Venom. <laughs> I wonder. Uh, I wonder how fake or not fake the letters from the fans are. I wonder if they actually print real letters for the fans, or if it's just completely kayfabed. Well, let's start there. Let's go through one of them. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, starting uh, with the first letter here, it says, "Dear editor." I'm proud that Jim Ross finally spilled his guts to a worldwide audience on Monday Night Raw some weeks back. It's already worded like no one would actually This is fake. Guaranteed. <laughs> Ross finally acknowledged that this is wrestling in all caps, not Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah. Now, good old JR is bringing in some real athletes, not plumbers <laughs> and clowns. He brought back Razor and Diesel. That just goes to show his efforts to revitalize the Federation. This this guy's bragging about that? Amazing. And also, just clear proof it's fake. No no one was clamoring for fake Razor and fake Diesel. Okay, here's the ultimate giveaway of if it's fake and who wrote it. (laughs) It says, if you were smart, and I know that you are, Russo, you would devote an entire half of this magazine to the man who will continue to lead the World Wrestling Federation past the year 2000, Kevin Dillon, Memphis, Tennessee. He, he thinks that Jim Ross is going to lead the rest. What? Hot fake. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. Here's something that here's. Let's go to the next one here. This was an email. Kudos to the World Wrestling Federation and especially to Raw Magazine. Okay, Russo wrote this one too. Because the interesting thing is it's formatted ridiculously also. There's a hyphen instead of a common. You know, it's like kudos in all caps to the World Wrestling Federation, hyphen, and especially Raw Magazine. And the last letter had several hyphens in it also. Oh, see, yeah, he has a he has some kind of weird style then. Yeah, it's clearly it's clearly Russo. Well, you know, at least they're getting their money's worth out of him. Yeah, but this is uh, an interesting one. It says, "So kudos on acknowledging the presence of other wrestling or- organizations throughout the world." <laughs> In the past, it has been almost taboo for anyone to mention the existence of ECW and the WCW. But maybe Bret Hart wrote The WCW. Yeah. But times have changed, and so has the World Wrestling Federation. Hopefully, the Federation will look into getting some of the top marquee names in each of these federations so it continue, can continue to be the leader in sports entertainment. Justin Ripko 
And we have an email address here. Ooh. Is he an AOL man? No. (laughs) Chaz, the two Zs, at REI.com, I believe. How amazing. Yeah, as I say, how amazing would that be if he had kept that email address for the last, uh, you know, 30 some odd years? Chaz at RCI.com. I'm emailing Chaz. If you're listening to this, tune in next time (laughs) because we're going to see if old Justin Ripko was on the level here. (laughs) All right. See, that's what these magazines do. They make you want to become like an investigative journalist yourself. It's interesting, too, that this person like is putting over the fact that they're, you know, mentioning ECW and WCW. There's no way in hell they're mentioning WCW on TV. Perhaps ECW, but it's too early for that. So maybe he means within the pages of the magazine. I'm a little little not sure about that one. Again, on that Livewire show. Yeah, they might have mentioned ECW or WCW, but I don't think Livewire is a thing yet. I'd have to I'd have to check, but not certain Livewire is a thing yet. Um, so I'm gonna go down to Russo's column here, <laughs> and just taking a glance at it, I already see an inordinate amount of hyphens <laughs> just screwed throughout it. So, so he has a style. He, he must have like a style guy. <laughs> when you write for the magazine, use hyphens. Yes, and like here's some phrases that just stick out because they're in all caps. You can take your TV show and you can stick it. Uh, this one just says cleavage in all caps. Like, these, are the <laughs> words, these are just the words that stick out to me. Here. And again, we're we're a while away from you know the attitude era. We're away. We're a while from this. You know, they're still kind of sputtering through the uh, last dying embers of the uh, new generation here. Cleavage. Yes. This is this is cra- this is a long long article. This is three pages. Like Jesus. three full pages. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh. All right. I'm just going to hit some high notes yeah, here. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, so basically, th- this is him, like, standing up to Vince is what this column is about. And so I- I'm going to start here. Now, before I begin decapitating heads, I would first like to thank <laughs> Vince McMahon for making my television appearance possible. So I guess he was on live. He was okay. on live wire here. Yeah. Uh, if anybody's got any guts in this lousy company, it's McMahon. And let me tell you why. On Friday afternoon at approximately 3 p.m., I went to Vince's office with a lot on my mind. Face to face, I told the chairman of Titan Sports how I thought Livewire sucked in those exact (laughs) words. When he asked me why, I basically laid out the following. One, it's nothing more than an infomercial for the upcoming pay-per-view. Two, Jim Cornette is living in the 80s and no one cares what he has to say anymore. Three, Doc Hendricks is nothing more than a walking, talking billboard. Four, (laughs) what true wrestling fan alive cares about the opinions expressed by Todd Pattengill? I remember, or he says, I mean, don't misunderstand me. Todd is a great on-air personality, one of the best. But what exactly are his wrestling credentials? What are Russo's wrestling? (laughs) (laughs) Number five. The only reason anybody watches the show in the first place is hopes of catching a peek at Sonny's incredible cleavage. <laughs> All caps. He may have a point. Well, <laughs> every blind squirrel finds a nut. Right. So, yeah, this is basically Russo putting him over as a tough guy while burying everyone else who's on air and at the same time kissing Vince McMahon's butt. 
Well, yeah, and it's just like it's so counterproductive, and it, it's it's such a perfect encapsulation of Russo. You just picked a few random lines. This is like he'd be saying this stuff today, and it's just like, oh, I'm the only one with the Spaldings to do it, you know, and all this stuff. Like, Come on, man, I, uh, I I just hate his faux New York tough guy thing, and yeah, I, I don't I don't get it at all. But it's funny, he's pretty consistent, huh? <laughs> he is consistent, consistent. Sure horrible and yes. so basically i just skimmed through it vince mcmahon's like mad at him because he went on live wire and just like did all this taboo stuff and so here we go i'm gonna skip to the end it says at this point i reminded mr big wig that perhaps he should <laughs> read a few of my columns before he agreed to put me on the air with that comment he said compared to the television audience pal he didn't say pal he said <laughs> nobody i said nobody reads your magazine columns well, Mr. Bigwig, perhaps you're right. But the bottom line is that as long as one reader is out there who can steam a mirror with his or her breath, Vic Venom is going to tell them one thing and one thing only, the truth. <laughs> He's a real crusading journalist fighting for us, the common man. Grief. What a, what a just scumbag. Just what a schmuck. I know. Oh, and it's funny, too. You know, he, he buries Cornette in there. And again, his consistency is a sight to behold. Really, you know, it's all oh, Cornette sucks. He's old and in the 80s. And uh, Doc Hendricks sucks. Which, yeah, he kind of sucked. There's an amazing moment on the live wire that Russo's on. He might be on more than one, but there's a specific one where he thinks he's being cool, right? So Doc is there and he's saying something. He's like, oh. Doc Hendricks, or should I say Michael Hayes? And Doc Hendricks just, <laughs> yeah, ooh, got him. And Michael Hayes just turns around and looks at him, and he's like, you wouldn't want to meet Michael Hayes. And Russo kind of shuts up for a minute. I was just like, oh, God, praying. I'm praying for Michael Hayes just to kill him there, but he doesn't, sadly. Well, there's an article in this one. It says, move over, Doc Hendricks. We want to talk to Michael P.S. Hayes. Hmm. See, that's interesting. It feels like then that Russo has like three ideas and he just kind of repeats them over and over again. And I, that would not surprise me in the least. All right. So how about doing this Vince McMahon? AOA? We got it. We got to look at that. Absolutely. This is going to be great. So um, basically, it's just question and answer. This is this is going to be an interesting look. Here. This is archived somewhere, unless he does more than one, which you know he probably does. But I, I want to say I've looked at an archive, like a transcript of uh, some of his wacky AOL chats before, and uh, he's pretty candid on some of it, and he's pretty wacky on some other parts. So I'll be interested to see what they have here. Yeah, it says it's been quite a while since I've had the pleasure of joining everyone on America Online. I'd like to do it more often. So seems like he had done it before. So let's jump to the first big question. And it says, what do you think of the New World Order and World <laughs> Championship Wrestling? Man, they just started off hot. Vince says the WCW, he said it too, is an organization founded, of course, by Ted Turner. Okay. Turner no. continues to deficit spend quite like the U.S. government. It seems as though the only thing Mr. Turner really cares about is Monday night TV ratings. He has pulled many of his resources dedicated to hurting the World Wrestling Federation. In the end, the only individuals he's hurting are the fans because they have the opportunity to watch two shows at the same time. The NWO is an idea, dot, dot, dot. By using former Federation superstars based on the 
concept of the World Wrestling Federation invading WCW. Turner very cleverly used Federation trademarks in an effort to perp, uh, perpetuate this concept. Nonetheless, the NWO and its existence is very successful for WCW. It's ironic that all the members of the NWO achieve their popularity here in the World Wrestling Federation. And if you're on wrestling Twitter, this is the same freaking line that is said about everyone who goes and wrestles anywhere else. Oh, they're in WWF first. Who cares? I like that Vince is very uh, economical, and uh, he got both both of his big enemies, Ted Turner and the U.S. government, lumped them right together and took a shot at him. Good job, Vince. You were always on my mind. <laughs> I love that. I love that he thinks that Ted Turner is like sitting there, like counter programming, or Ted Turner used these trademarks or this and that. Ted Turner doesn't know what a new world order is, except for you know whatever you know. Illuminati group he secretly belongs to. <laughs> he might know about that New World Order, but he has no idea what a wrestling New World Order is. You know, he doesn't know anything about wrestling. And so I'm not I, saying that to disparage Ted Turner. It's just that it's so far beneath his notice. You know, it's not he. He's not thinking about this stuff like Vince is thinking about this stuff. So uh, my good buddy Harvey, who uh, the last show we did covered the WrestleMania we went to together. We would always watch Monday Night Wrestling at his house or Thunder or whatever. And his mom was like a bit of a conspiracy theorist. In the oh, late wow. Even. Like she listened to like Rush Limbaugh every day when I was over there. And like she was pretty right wing. And so one day the commentators are talking about the New World Order. And she was like, I can't believe they're mentioning that. on the <laughs> about that. That's she was tremendous. Like, away. <laughs> Sweetest lady in the world. That's so funny. Um, All right, question. Why have you been losing all your good wrestlers? And what are you (laughs) going to do about it? (laughs) I'm going to make fake ones, and then Jim Ross is going to lead us to the year 2000. Ooh, wow. Yeah, that sounds great, doesn't it? It's a good (laughs) question. Quite frankly, even though we did a a parody of Billionaire Ted, the reality of his resources is, in fact, what keeps WCW's engine burning. Ted Turner doesn't care if he can outspend his opponent to get what he wants. In this case, thus far, he has been able to pay exorbitant amounts of money to superstars who came to prominence first in the WWF. So, same thing again here. However, practically all of our superstars are now under long-term contracts. This will prevent Ted Turner from this practice. Man, this is this is crazy. So, so he's exactly just what happened himself- AEW was getting started. Well, absolutely, and he's just making himself look bad. Now we've signed everyone to long-term contracts. And as far as, you know, taking, you know, previously made stars, what the hell do you think Hulk Hogan was? <laughs> well, this is pretty good here. Question, Mr. McMahon, what do you think of Eric Bischoff? I don't know Eric Bischoff. I don't know what kind of skills he has. Although <laughs> I must say that it does not take a genius to be able to pick Hulk Hogan's mind and spend zillions of dollars with multi-network backing to accomplish what WCW is currently accomplishing. <laughs> it really does sound like today. So so it's Eric Bischoff's fault that Hulk Hogan was popular and that he decided to bring over Hulk Hogan to benefit from his popularity. If only those fans, you know, uh, if it wasn't for the fact that he was so popular, we'd be winning. If it wasn't for the fact he had so much money, we'd be winning. I mean, uh, it never changes. Nothing ever changes. 
That's crazy. Uh, question, Mr. McMahon, is there any chance of the ultimate warrior uh, back in the WWF? <laughs> this is Vince's shortest answer. It's highly unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> well, between that and the use of quite frankly, I think this really is Vince. I think so. Yeah. A uh, question uh, is having Raw live every week in the cards. Production expenses alone are well over six figures. Under normal circumstances, we attempt to record as many shows as possible, thus minimizing our expenditures. We do not have Ted T Turner's resources <laughs> to lose millions a year and spend over six figures every week on one show. My goodness. We cannot match checkbooks. We must be as we always have been, more innovative, maintaining a stronger work ethic, and never forgetting what brought us to the dance. The fans. <laughs> eventually they will forget the fans. It, it probably won't take too long. Um, is there a deal between ECW and WWF? The only deal between ECW and the Federation is that ECW, if they haven't already, will be hearing from our attorneys as a result of their intrusion on our pay-per-view and live Monday Night Raw shows. Okay, <laughs> so he's a little kayfabe in here. As I recognize it, this is America. The ECW is just has just as much right to be in business as we do. I would appreciate it if they did not interrupt our activities to get in society. <laughs> I'd appreciate it if uh, you know I didn't invite them on the show. And he even specifically says on the Monday Night Raw where ECW's on that they're invited guests. But okay, let's see here. <laughs> here here's one that's always relevant. Do you feel that the WWF missed the boat by not capitalizing on the talent of the Mexican wrestlers as WCW has? Vince says. You might be right. I don't know. It's certainly an avenue that we will explore in the future. So a little candid there. Yeah, and they do uh, kind of try to varying degrees of success uh, to kind of get into the luchador thing. Uh, they partner up with AAA at some point. Um, they actually have a whole show called Super Astros, which has uh, various AAA wrestlers on it. Uh, I would argue that they never effectively really utilize luchadors. But then again, WCW kind of starts out doing that, and then they kind of fizzle out in that as well. So, Here's a blast from the past. Question, will the Federation be launching a site on the World Wide Web? And if so, how will it affect the AOL site? Vince says, good question. The World Wrestling Federation will be launching a website in the near future. <laughs> this, however, will coexist and complement our AOL site. We believe we can do both AOL, uh, let's see here, flip the page, both AOL and a worldwide website. So were you an AOL user back in the day? Um, my first internet uh, was in fact AOL, but it was at the point where everyone started to have like, you know, ubiquitous internet. Uh, I didn't really have like internet service until probably, oh, 1999 or 2000 or so. Uh, what, what the listener might not know, how AOL worked, at least at the time that Vince is talking about, um, you would log into one site and it was like a web provider, but it was also its own, like they didn't want you to leave their site. So it had like a whole bunch of different uh, little zones you could go to. It had chat. It zones. had <laughs> the web zone. And it had yeah, WWF, WWF had its own like dedicated uh, you know space on this. So and like Vince would do or somebody would do chats like every couple of weeks. They had like a, 
you know, pictures of Sonny you could download. I mean, they, they had like the, you know, various, various things. They might've had like snip. I don't know. I don't remember how, uh, I don't know if like real player was a thing yet or like how the clips would have worked, but they had like real small clips. They had real small snippets of like music and stuff. So yeah, it's like, it was really weird. It's very internet 1.0, you know, not, not anything like what we have today. It was basically like having a cable provider and the cable provider only has certain channels on it that you can watch. And uh, I remember WWF because they had the videos you could download, like you were talking about, yeah. I remember when I was showing my dad the site and there was one called Sable Canrana and it was her doing a Hurricane Rana. He's like, download that. <laughs> <laughs> it took forever. I you bet. Know, it's so grainy. And it was yeah. just Sable doing a Hurricane Rana. It's like five seconds. It took forever to download. <laughs> and but yeah, yeah, like, like download th- like that's sound th- effects. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I and remember I that. Them as like if someone sent you an uh, instant message, it'd be like Stone Cold saying, oh, hell yeah, or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, and that, like how it would work is like it, it had like a keyword. So it was like for them, it was keyword WWF, I'm pretty sure. And yeah, you would just type it in or like, you know, you type in keyword movies and it would take you like to a, you know, movie phone site or whatever. So yeah, that's, that's a good analogy. It was not unlike a cable provider. Question, will Hulk Hogan ever be inducted into the Hall of Fame? Vince, yes. Question, who do you believe wow. is the best wrestler today? This will probably strike most people as unusual, but I would suggest the best wrestler in the world today is Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> so he's, he's kind of prepping for the future there a little bit. And again, definitely Vince. I would suggest is very much uh, Vince Verbage there. Absolutely. And uh, Vince concludes it after a few more questions, but we, we probably can't linger here all day. It says, I would like to thank everyone for all their support. And thank you for all your opinions. Hopefully we can do this on a monthly basis. So, yeah, that was pretty, pretty cool. He's pretty candid, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, you know, what a cool perk that would have been, you know, for the 1996 wrestling fan to be able to go to AOL and go to, you know, uh, chat with Vince. That's pretty cool. All right. Let's jump down to the five greatest matches. Yeah, in absolutely. History. Uh, what do you think the best match in WWF history? So my favorite WWF match of all time is WrestleMania 13, uh, Brett Austin. I think it's it, it's the famous double turn. Uh, Brett turns heel, Austin turns face. Even though he doesn't really turn face, it's just that the crowd is turned to face, and really he's a tweener forever. Um, and Brett starts traveling down the path of hated in America, but a hero in Canada. The match itself is masterful. Um, there's uh, a lot of blood in it. Basically, the finish is Brett uh, submitting Stone Cold, but Stone Cold doesn't actually submit. It's That match is actually called off by the referee, and the referee happens to be the world's most dangerous man, Ken <laughs> Shamrock. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just a tour de force. Brett is so good, and Aust- not that Austin isn't. Austin is an amazing wrestler. Uh, but Brett's just got this kind of other level way of thinking about wrestling. And the more Bret Hart I watch, I mean, I've always been a Bret Hart fan, but the older I get and the more Bret Hart I watch, I just, I truly think he's one of the best wrestlers of all time. I mean, he's just a fantastic, a fantastic mind. He was definitely my favorite wrestler. That match comes to mind for me because it yeah. takes me back. I can remember it. Like I'm closing my eyes right now. I can remember exactly where I was. When I was watching that match, I was uh, at my dad's house, and I can just remember that shot of Austin. I mean, it's iconic now. Iconic, absolutely. And look at it, 
and I can remember just thinking like, that was amazing. Uh, what year was that? Uh, 96 or yeah, 96 or 97. Yeah, so I'm like 11 or 12 there, and I I remember just being blown away, man. It Absolutely, was, what a great match. So, uh, my buddy, yeah, because like I didn't really watch like a ton of WWF. My buddy told me about it, and I just remember being, I was always really jealous that Bret Hart was there because like whenever I would tune into Raw, I really dug Bret, and I was so happy when he came to WCW. <laughs> I was like, man, now we got Bret Hart, and of course it didn't really you know pan out too well. Yeah. At that time, I didn't I didn't see the value of Austin, and obviously. I was an idiot. Austin's great. At that time, I just I didn't really get it. It's just like, oh, he's you know the guy who, like flips everyone off and just kind of <laughs> kicks and punches. Now I see it, but you know, uh, you know, seventeen year old, sixteen year old me didn't really quite get it. I guess. All right. So what's interesting about this five greatest matches of all time? It's by Vince Russo. So um, I'm I'm I'm. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, I wonder what, because nothing, again, the Attitude Era hasn't really happened yet. So, you know, his number one match can't be like, you know, Sable and a Braun Panties match or whatever. So I, I'm interested to see what he says. Number five, Men on a Mission versus, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's, insane, it's ridiculous already. <laughs> I wish it was Men on a Mission. One of my favorite WrestleMania moments of all time is... I think it was like a four on four or maybe it was survivor series. I can't remember, but men on a mission is involved in it. And there's a let's go Mo chant. <laughs> Mo. Like, Mo. I remember my buddy Cooper told me about that. He was like, you are not going to believe that. But <laughs> there is a point where the crowd gets behind Mo for one of the loudest like chants of the whole night. That, do that does seem unlikely. All right. Match number five, WrestleMania 10. And you're going to notice some trends here. Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, brother versus brother. So, pretty good start. Yeah, no, that's a perfect, that, that's a great match. Perfectly reasonable choice. Yeah. Uh, number four, ladder match, Razor versus Sean. <sighs> I'm sure in 1993 or whenever that match took place, that was a mind-blowing just in a complete, you know, wonderful match. I've seen it too many times. And now, you know, as like a 42 year old jerk, I hate ladder matches. So I don't like it any longer, but it doesn't mean that's not a good match, but I, I'm sure it was mind blowing then. Um, number three, ladder match two, razor versus Sean. <laughs> okay. Next. Um, I, I want to read one part of this. It says hyphen. Um, Prior to the bell, Federation, Federation officials warned both competitors that they could not in any way, in any way is in hyphens, I'm not even kidding, use the ladder as a weapon. Not only was the pressure on, uh, let me start that over. So now not only was the pressure on to top their first encounter, but with this new stipulation, they were forced to get creative. And get creative, they did. Is this a rematch at SummerSlam? Does that sound right? Some, SummerSlam 95, yeah. Yeah, I that might actually be a better match. I, I'd have to go back and watch it. I don't think I've seen it as many times as I've seen the Mania match. But yeah, um, yeah you know what? It might be a better match. You know what's interesting is the next part says the high spots came fast and furious. So High spots? It says the high spots, <laughs> yes. So typical Russo here. You uh, now this one, I, d I don't remember this match. I'm sure it was fine, but this is Vince Russo's 
the second greatest match in <laughs> WWF history. Uh, September of '96, Shawn Michaels versus Mankind. Um, is that like at uh, in your house? Uh, in your house, you are correct. Sir. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I know. Like Mankind, or you know, Mike Foley really loves that match. Uh, and I, the reason I know this is because in his book. He says something along the lines of, you know, whenever I see Sting, Sting always comes up to me and says, hey, do we do we still have your best match ever? And like one time he has to say, no, I'm sorry, Sting. Uh, you know, I had a match with Shawn Michaels. So I like better. And like Sting looked really forlorn. I remember <laughs> feeling really bad for Sting. I was like, oh, <laughs> for so Sting. yeah, um, I don't I, I kind of remember the match. I don't I don't remember it super well. I don't remember this match, so it must be pretty good then. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm sure like that would probably be something that people would pick on a, a, a if there was like some kind of lame you know DVD of top matches of the WWE. I'm sure it would be you know in the top ten or you know top fifteen. Well, we do have an advertise a VHS advertisement that we'll do <laughs> after this, and we'll see what's on there. But so five through four are Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels, and this is this magazine's also one of the main articles was. Con- and the cover picture is Brett and Sean. It's almost like Russo just, he has no knowledge and he's like, I'm just going to pick a bunch of Brett and Sean matches. <laughs> but uh, number one, WrestleMania three steamboat and savage. So, and again, there's another article about this in here, you know, and again, uh, that's a perfectly reasonable match. And probably would be a lot of people's uh, certainly uh, prior to, this era, I guess, um, you know, up until like the year 2000, let's say that'd probably be a lot of people's number one WWF match of all time. Another match I, I love. I love that match. I, I can't argue with it. I just yeah. think it's interesting that like, you know, there's an article about Brett and Sean. He puts three Sean matches in a Brett. There's an article about Steamboat and Savage somewhere else. He picks <laughs> Steamboat and Savage. So I don't know. It's just kind See, of that's like, interesting. It's like I would almost say like, wow, maybe he's actually a good editor. And it's, there's a through line, and he has a vision, but we know that he's a hack, so this is just all completely, you know, coincidence, I would suspect. <laughs> I, I think so. Um, on the next page, it says, turn your PC into a slamming machine. The WrestleMania 12 screensaver and oh. trivia puzzle game. Ooh, and trivia. 995. That's probably sweet as hell. Uh, yeah, you can get your copy. It just takes two to four weeks for delivery, 10 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Straight from Stanford, Connecticut to me. Uh, your screensaver includes a puzzle game with three difficulties, a one to four player <laughs> trivia game to test your Federation knowledge, a recap of the story of WrestleMania 12, sound effects and ring announcers calling the action, the scrolling message that you can edit. <laughs> your, your computer already has that. <laughs> On screen clock. And date stamp. Your computer already has that too. <laughs> Don't sell the steak, you sell the sizzle. That's true. Bonus, bonus screen of Sonny. Well, that's good. And then, yeah, that is good. Uh, Shawn Michaels victory screen. <laughs> An extra special screen with Shawn Michaels and Sonny. Never mind. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I was going to skip this, but let's hit it quick. Let's do the what was Hunter thinking about here on page 30, because there's also a sunny uh, there's a sunny picture spread in here of her covered in uh, bows. It's 
Oh, as a gift. So there, there is no recap at all of the Mr. Perfect um, Hunter story. It's just pictures of women. And these are all just women that Hunter, I guess, gave up to team with Mr. Perfect. So it's not it's not an article. It's just a it's just a pictorial. It's just pictures of women. Uh-huh. And then a rundown. It says the perfect choice question mark. What Hunter Hearst Helmsley gave up for the wisdom of Mr. Perfect. Yeah. And it's just a bunch of pictures like, OK, this one here. It's a woman with her bra coming off. And it says Alex Taylor. Alex was penthouse pet of the month august 1994 okay wow okay and then it just gives a rundown of all the beauty contests she's won she's appeared in spanish language television (laughs) i scroll down there's another woman here uh works as a model but there's like no text about anything other than this lady's a a falcons cheerleader yeah it's just pictures there's no story bizarre yeah, another penthouse pet. It's how, how many pages is this? Okay, uh, one, two, three, four, no. five, six. <laughs> There's no seven, way. Seven, eight. Now, this magazine is probably no greater than 64 pages, I would suspect. Uh, let me see what I can find. Yeah, about 64. So, so this takes up one-eighth of the magazine. Absolutely. Oh, Jesus, God. And it probably would have been worth it back then. <laughs> Perhaps. I'm being honest. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, there's no explanation of the story. It just That's says, really bizarre. I'm just left to make my own storyline up. Well, and what's interesting, too, is I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain. I kind of told you earlier that the, I, the, what I remembered about the storyline. I'm not certain. This is at the point where Mr. Perfect has the, you know, shoot uh, Lloyd's of London uh, insurance, and if he wrestles, that insurance is going to obviously go away. So they're trying to get him to do an in-ring comeback, and I think he's trying to work around the Lloyd's of London thing. I don't recall if this actually cultivates in them having a match or not, and then eventually he's going to be going to WCW. Uh, there's, I think, about six months of a gap, maybe a little more of a gap, maybe more like eight or nine months uh, between him going from WWF to WCW. Uh, but yeah, I don't even remember if they even have a match. So they're, they're recapping something kind of that may not even really have a end. Huh? It's just an (laughs) excuse to show broads. I mean, it's basically what it comes down to, but you know, that's, that's, that's kind of the uh, watchword of Vince Russo. Just, uh, just an excuse to show broads. All right. So we have, I wanted to do the article, the complete history of the WWF title. It's missing. <laughs> Vince have, Russo didn't know the, he didn't know the complete history of the title. I have page fifty-two. That's a, a Vince Russo article here, and then uh, the history is supposed to be on fifty-four. There's an article for the Superstar Hotline, and then it just jumps to fifty-six. I wonder if it was like on a poster pullout or something like that. Like maybe it has like a timeline or something. Yeah. All right. Well, that's disappointing. That is disappointing. We said we were going to go over the VHSs real quick. Yeah. Okay. So stuff your stockings. You get three great deals. Wow. You can get, this is crazy. Coliseum Video 96, World Wrestling Superstars Entrance Music Videos. Ooh. 
And it looks like we got Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, and The Undertaker on the cover. I, I seriously want to go like look in my uh, illicit uh, hard drive full of like dumb wrestling stuff and see if I have that. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. <laughs> it's forty five minutes. Oh man, we've got in your house uh, mind games. Is that the one with Hunter and Sean, or uh, sure, Hunter, well, uh, Sean and uh, Mankind? I mean. It is. Yeah, so that's okay. probably why it was on the list. Was yeah, yeah. See, it's, it's it's marketing. Yeah. Guess how much that is. Um, if the forty-five minute uh, thing was twenty bucks, it's probably thirty bucks. Thirty-nine ninety-five. Thirty-nine. Jesus. For the VHS. Yes. And then there's also um, the amazing matches. It's just uh, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. And then one called Confirmed Hits. Now, I used to buy those. I remember that style of tape. I would get them at the local grocery store in the little bin, the bargain bin. Yeah. And they were they were interesting. Sometimes you could get, like, house shows on those. And I remember I bought one, and it's just, like, one camera angle, basically. Oh, wow. From, like, way up. And it was, like, Undertaker versus someone. I don't think I have it anymore, but yeah, they were they were interesting. Yeah, and sometimes you get like, like alternate commentary. Yeah, you just get like weird weird it's stuff like that's not dope commentary. Yeah, Tell yeah. All right. Well, in lieu of the uh, the title, let's do our fantasy warfare: Stardust versus Goldust. Because I have a feeling <laughs> let's do it. They might just bury Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> I mean, they they did it every other chance they had. Absolutely. All right. Let's see here. So they kind of give you a rundown. They have Dusty listed at 6'3", 289. He was a pretty big dude. I don't know if he was 6'3". And he definitely, (laughs) at some points, uh, 289 might have been uh, a compliment. (laughs) Generous in both regards. Yeah. All right. It lists Goldust Strengths. It says, uh, since his inception into the WWF. That's not what inception means. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I can tell Vince Russo's writing it. <laughs> He's mastered the art of paranoia, both in and out of the squared circle. So basically, he makes people paranoid. That's his strength. He, well, he makes them homophobic. I mean, he, he, he made, yeah, I was going to say, he made uh, Razor Ramon uh, paranoid with uh, homophobia, yes. Um, weakness. If you remember the Hollywood horror romps, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th, Freddy and Jason, Jason share a common weakness. Ironically enough, this may be Goldust's weakness as well. The young combatants who took down their demons in those movies use the same simple philosophy. They didn't fear the monster. So just don't be homophobic. You can small cradle him. <laughs> well, yeah, I always thought that was kind of weird that, you know, uh, Razor Ramon didn't want to be touched by Goldust. It's like, yeah, you're going to be touching him a lot in the ring. You're going to be rolling around sweaty together. That's the, pretty much the most intimate thing you can do besides the other thing. So, How the, do you pin him? <laughs> oh, oh, I don't want to get oh, oh, you I don't want to touch directly him. on top of him for three <laughs> seconds. That's longer than I usually wait. Um, strategy. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's a good way to say nothing. Goldust continues to use his mind games to defeat opponents night in and night out. So what makes us think Dusty Rhodes would have been able to counter it? <laughs> um, unless the blue-collar champion got an education in bizarre psych 101 in a hurry. 
he'd surely be under the same spell as Razor Ramon and many others. <laughs> so, so the article writer, which is Shirley Russo, uh, clearly never saw Dusty Rhodes wheel out a, a, a gorilla in a cage to mess with his opponent in the NWA. D- Dusty Rhodes knows a thing or two about my games, my friend. So they aren't telling you that they're father and son. They're you're just left. Yeah, you're left to make that inference yourself. Yeah, so it's it's really interesting that in kayfabe, they're like, Dusty has to not be afraid of his gay son. <laughs> well, are we supposed to know that's, that, that... I almost called him Stardust. Are we supposed to know that Goldust is Dustin Reynolds as a, as a you know predatory gay i guess this is gimmick at this point <laughs> i don't know what this is like a weird mix of it's like a rib but it's not really a rib it's just kind of like mean. well dustin's too into it i mean to it for it to be a rib but it's no not, i mean i mean this yeah, article no. i'm sorry oh i see yeah no the gold dust thing he was all in he was gonna get breast implants oh that's right <laughs> the Goldust character is actually pretty interesting once you get past the weird, you know, gay panic stuff, which I hate. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes a pretty interesting character, and then sometimes it's just so stupid. Uh, particularly the, you know, the forever unchained incarnation of Goldust. I have no idea what's going on there. You know, there's a version of Goldust where he gets Tourette's, which I guess is kind of amusing. But it's like again, what the hell are they doing there? You know, there's there's, there's a lot a lot of uh, odd incarnations of uh, Goldust. I mean, I can I can remember Goldust's vignettes and his debut, and like not knowing what to think about Goldust being a when he's quoting the, the movies and stuff. He's meeting, doing the random movie quotes and just being a weirdo. <laughs> well, and like the he like took the wig off and like not being very perceptive and also like SD. Like I didn't know it was a wig, and so he got in the ring for the first time and he took the wig off, and I was like, oh wow, he looks even weirder now with this short hair. And I just remember, like, not knowing what to think. Like, I didn't get what it was. I'm still not And then, like, you know, you'd have, like, you know, you'd have, like, you'd have uh, the king. You'd have Jerry Lawler's, you know, saying, you know, very borderline and sometimes not borderline, like, homophobic stuff. And then, you know, JR or even Vince would just be saying bizarre. This is a bizarre individual. And you can obviously these are code words for, you know, gay. And it's just it's very it's just a very odd. I don't know what they're trying to tell you. And of course, you know they're having you know the, the crowd's going to start chanting the f word here pretty soon. And it's just like I don't know. I, I don't know what they were going for. It, it never really made much sense. But clearly, Dustin was into it. He had some kind of. This was not just Vince's vision. I mean, he clearly had a, some vision of this as well. Yeah, I gotta agree. Uh, Dusty Strengths uh, says. Perhaps one of the greatest attributes that made Rhodes a phenomenon in his heyday was his tolerance for pain. Uh, that that is a legit, you know. Yeah, uh, I mean, sure, that's that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and if you're if you're thinking about Dusty Rhodes as a kayfabe character, yeah, he did have a high tolerance for pain. That's how he gets over. You know, initially he's a heel as Dusty Rhodes, and then, you know, he fights the vicious, you know, Korean uh, Pak Song, and Pak Song's got him, like, in a, some kind of, like, hold, and he's screaming, and he's reaching out to the audience, and the audience is, you know, feeding him back, and he's hulking up, and so forth. So, yeah, yeah, his tolerance for pain would be, you know, one of his strengths. That makes sense. And this is interesting. It says, in countless matches against the likes of legends Tully Blanchard and Ole Anderson, 
we saw Dusty busted up and bleeding, only to come back. So I'm sure. surprised they mentioned Tully and Oli. I'm surprised they mentioned Oli specifically, since he's very famously anti WWF. Obviously, Tully left under kind of a cloud, but you know, I don't know how much of that's known. But you know, Oli very famously uh, told Linda to go f herself. So. You know. <laughs> This, this one is not written by Russo. This one's written by Bill Banks. Not oh, not Bill Banks. Banks. Sure, I, I know him from WCW. Uh, he oh. might. I don't know if he comes over with Russo and Ferrara, but um, yeah, I think he's a he's definitely a Russo crony. So that's where we get our little NWA references here. Then probably so. All right, weaknesses. If there was one thing that limited Dusty's offense, it was the fact that for a ring veteran, Rhodes was as deep as low tide when it came to the depth chart of knowledge of maneuvers. He was far too big for aerial moves, and he <laughs> sure wasn't going to dazzle you with the motions of any high flyer. In most cases, Rhodes would just stand there and go to fist to fist with you until someone hit the mat. And a good percentage of the time, it was you. So. Well, it's not, it's not like Dustin's jumping off the top rope with a 450 splash or anything either. So That's true. They, they um, really don't. They don't seem to know that, or you know, maybe they don't want to point out. Dustin Rhodes, until he's Gold Dust, is a Dusty Rhodes tribute act. <laughs> Watch any of his matches in WCW. I, I, the Dustin of today, I, I like as a worker. Um, I could not stand Dustin Rhodes, uh, the natural, let's say. Um, and even today, when I go watch old, uh, you know, WCW with my pals, uh, oh, I, I can't stand. Uh, I can't stand Dustin Rhodes. All right. Strategy. Without a doubt, if these two men had ever gotten the chance to face each other in the ring, it would have been a battle for the ages. Both men would have surely been perplexed by the other style, as Rhodes had never faced an eccentric foe quite like Goldust. And the closest the golden actor has ever come to a ring legend was his battle with Roddy Piper. Being that Goldust is a tad lighter than the American dream, Dusty would have to plan for a long night of keeping up with the golden one if he wanted to win. Like legends of the past that he had faced, Rhodes would have to find a way to come back from a beating, which is what Goldust would ultimately dish out, and overcome the actor's mind games. Ironically, Dusty Rhodes was known as Stardust throughout his career, but in my opinion, after facing Goldust, he might just be another silly boy in the end. A silly boy? In quotes, <laughs> silly boy. <laughs> Is that supposed to be a joke? <laughs> I, I don't know. What is, is that? Is that a reference I don't understand? Is, is that a maybe song a lyric? Dust, maybe there's a Dusty promo where he says that or something. It's a silly boy. You know, there's the hard times promo that everyone wears, and then there's the silly boy promo, of course. A silly boy promo. Everyone forgets <laughs> about that one. <laughs> and, he, and it's in quotes to emphasize. Oh, very strange. That was that was a strange thing altogether that they put father versus son, but they don't mention it. That that was just all around strange. Yeah, what a weird love, uh, weird thing. Yeah, I love fantasy booking though. Well, you know, I, I the, the I the way you book, you know, Dusty versus Dustin is Dustin has real life resentment towards Dusty, and that's why he goes off and does the Gold Dust character. So you'd have to play off that, obviously, and they didn't even mention that aspect. So. Okay, but no. book it without referencing, just like the article. You have to book it without referencing uh, that it is Dustin. Rose. Well, I mean, I guess if that's the case, then you know you have you have Goldust come in and say that uh, you know 
Terry Funk can get parts in movies, and Hulk Hogan can get parts in movies, but Dusty Rhodes couldn't. And then, you know, you have him make all sorts of allusions to movies and so forth. And then finally, Dusty snaps. And, I'm just as important as the two of them, baby. And of course, then they have a climactic battle. It goes eight minutes. And it gets two stars. <laughs> eight minutes, small package, one, two, three. <laughs> all right, man. So I guess that wraps this one up. There's some good stuff in here. We didn't even hit the big stories because, like I said, Sean and Brad's been covered to death. Yeah. Better than us. Um, but we covered the weird stuff in here like the the hunter thing i'm gonna have to look that up well see this is this is what i wanted this this accomplished my goal because i wanted to see the kind of the listener now knows like the kind of weird russo-ness is creeping into this this magazine he's probably been the editor for a year or two at this point he's got his tropes already all kind of laid out in front of him and the next one we look at it's going to be even tropier and then if we go into like you know a 98 one where you know it says at like, that point, it's like, for the smart fan on the cover, or for the mature fan. And it's just like, it's just, just this weird descent into strangeness. So this is set the table. I'm glad we did it this way, because this could kind of set the table well for future installments, should we choose to uh, keep going down this road. It was very serendipitous. So uh, before we go, I got I to gotta email Justin Ripko real quick. <laughs> Oh, Chaz, Chaz at rci.com. Oh, oh, Chaz, yeah. <laughs> Let's see here. What was it? It was Chaz at rci.com? Yeah, Chaz with two Zs, I think you said. Yeah, I'm going to see what rci.com Dear Chaz, <laughs> did you enjoy your <laughs> stint as a letter writer for the, rest, the, the WWF magazine? I hope I don't get like, you know how you can get the email back that the uh, email doesn't exist anymore. I'm hoping yeah, that's back. RCI is a travel website. That couldn't have been what it was back then. <laughs> Attach a read receipt to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here. What should I what should I write to old Chaz? Dear Chaz, I found your name in a WWF magazine. <laughs> Are you still keeping up with the product today? WWF magazine. Are you still keeping up with the product today? Okay. Signed um, a big fan. Oh no. Okay. Signed hyphen all caps a big fan. That way he'll know. He'll be like, Vince. All right. What, what, what if it what if it's a what if it's a uh Vince Russo, Mike Johnson situation. <laughs> this goes to Vince Russo somehow. <laughs> I hope I, I hope he gets back to me. All right, guys, send a title here. Send. All right, I hope he gets back to me. Beautiful. All right. Look at that. WWF magazine bringing people together. Yeah, maybe he can be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched that stupid wrestling. <laughs> Since 1997, why are you bothering me? I regret the time I spent watching wrestling. I wonder if he's on Facebook. Oh my God! Do not do not dox this man. Do not stalk him. I'm sorry, but I'm already typing it. Oh my God! Justin Ripko. Enter. Let's see here. There is someone here from Missouri. Oh, did it list where he's from? 
cut this out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> As we dox a man live on air. <laughs> uh, yeah, it doesn't list where he's from in the magazine, but this guy's a welder. Should I? Okay. I might message him on Facebook. Jesus. <laughs> you might commit a felony. <laughs> All right, this doesn't look like a guy that would write to WWF um, Magazine. There's a picture of the Taliban here. All right, no more. Whoa. Yeah, no more. I'm already Ask him what his feelings about hyphens are. Wow, this went down a dark road. <laughs> well, it was fine until you started stalking a man. Hey, he put his name and he put That's his true. address on here. I didn't have to look hard to get it. That's true. He wanted it. He was asking for it. <laughs> exactly. All right, man. Well, I think that wraps up today's show. I don't think we committed any crimes. I don't think anything illegal. Mm, been done. I don't think I committed any crimes. Well, you're kind of like an accessory. So. Oh, that's true. Damn it. Yeah. Well, sorry. it's bizarre and unique at any rate. Yeah, man. So uh, anything else before we go? Huh? No, abs- uh, just uh, always appreciative of anyone listening to this, you know, hour of nonsense we pump out every week. Absolutely. If you're uh, listening, send it to a wrestling friend, uh, someone else who might enjoy a podcast. We appreciate everyone who's listening. We're still trying to grow. So um, that will do it for this week. And I think we're going to do WWF Magazine from October 97. Is that right? Yeah, I think that was the one. with uh, It's right. got Dude Love on the cover. I'm sorry, I got the wrong one, but I think it worked out. And uh, so that will do it this week. Uh, For DJ Convoy, this is Brute McBain signing off.